Behind the Service podcast, you're going to hear from the Ohana Homefront Foundation's Counseling Director, Nicole Pingle. She is going to talk about trauma and the effects that it has on your body. Did you know that it can include exhaustion, confusion, anxiety, agitation, even numbness to go along with all of the psychological effects that it has on your body? So listen in as Nicole discusses how trauma can affect your body and how you can kind of combat that. Hi, I'm Nicole Pingle, and I'm the Counseling Director with the Ohana Homefront Foundation. And today I want to talk a little bit about trauma and more importantly, the experience of trauma in the body and why that is so important. You know, understanding that experience is so important. For a very basic definition, we could define trauma as a negative or scary life experience that overwhelms our ability to cope. So that is very subjective. It means that my experience with trauma might be very different from yours. You might not perceive it as traumatic because you had the resources to cope and maybe I didn't. What I really want to focus on, though, is how we somatically experience traumatic events. So that does mean in your body, how you feel it, how you sense it, and how we're integrating those senses. How that works is we're taking in information from the environment around us through our five senses. And that information is then sent to the brain for processing. And it's interpreting, is this a threat? Or is this safe? So what we're going to be talking about today is how our system interprets information under threat. So to start off, I'm going to give an example of how these responses to threats can be learned and become patterned over time. So Marty Smith is an occupational therapist, and I absolutely love her work because she gives a great understanding as to how traumatic events can impact how we relate to the world around us, how our systems feel. So she gives the example of cows in a field. So cows are pretty heavy animals, right? And they're going to go towards food and water for safety. So over time, because cows are so heavy and because they're going to continuously go to that source of food and water to survive, they're going to create a well-worn path in the ground, so much so that when a new cow comes into the pasture, it's going to use that path right away to go for safety. So you might be going, Nicole, how does that relate to trauma at all? So how it relates to trauma is when we go through these experiences, our bodies actually learn how to keep us safe. So all of this is going to be happening on an implicit level, like things that we're not consciously aware of. So what that might look like is imagine driving to work. So sometimes like for me, when I drive to work, I just kind of zone out and then I'm at work and I'm like, whew, Thank God we made it here safely. So that's your implicit or procedural memory taking over or like riding a bike. You know, at first it was really hard, but eventually you learned the motions and you were able to do it without thinking about it. We do the same things to be able to survive traumatic experiences. And so then what happens is because it's happening on this unconscious level, we're not using or we don't have as much access to that frontal part of our brain where logic and reasoning is. So it's going to be stored as sensations, as feelings. And so 
What also happens with that is these stories that we create in our bodies, these feelings, these sensations, they actually impact our felt sense of self. So an example of that would be, have you ever heard somebody say, like, logically, I know this, like, I know I'm safe, but I don't feel safe because we're out of that traumatic experience, right? So I should be okay. But that's not how it works. Our bodies hold the legacy of trauma. And so even though we might be so far away from a situation, like it could have happened years and years, you know, decades ago. But if that information is still stored in our system, we can actually still feel unsafe here in the present. And so sometimes then those things are reactivated by a smell, a sound, and then it brings it right back up for us as if it was yesterday. So you might ask again, why, you know, why is it really important to understand this information? Because, and I'm going to talk about it from kind of two different places. So the first way I'll kind of talk about it from is for caregivers and families of our service members. So we all have our own experiences, right? And I'll even, you know, speak just to for people who might have kids for a minute. So kids, they go through multiple moves through being in a military family. They might have hardships at school. It could be something as simple as a difficult pregnancy. All of these things can be considered traumatic. They can all also lead to difficulties with sensory processing. And so what this might look like in your kids is difficulty making friends. It might look like the inability to sit still or pay attention at school. And now they're getting into trouble. You know, they're getting suspended. They're getting expelled. And there's labels that come with that. So they might end up getting labeled as this, you know, bad kid that isn't doing their schoolwork. But what we really want to understand is where is this coming from? You know, why is my kid having trouble sitting still at school? What messages are they learning about themselves through their interactions with others? As we go through these experiences in the feedback that we're getting from others in the world actually give us information about ourselves and our sense of self. So then we start to internalize those messages that maybe I'm not good enough because nobody wants to hang out with me. I'm having a hard time making friends. And so that must mean that I'm the weird kid. As we create those stories, those get stored in our system the same way that trauma would. And we begin to live out those stories. So everybody's had their own experiences that have been tough to deal with. And those can come out in those maladaptive behaviors. So now I'm going to talk about it from a little bit different angle from the service member point of view. In general, trauma disempowers, it disconnects. So to some degree, we have to have that disconnection to be able to go to war, to survive in that environment. So there's also a certain level of hypervigilance that's going to be needed, again, in order to survive. But I think we don't do enough to teach people to come back home, to reintegrate and feel safe, to connect back to themselves, to the community. And what I mean by that is, again, helping people to feel safe in their own skin. So 
you know, the deployment could have been years ago, but to them, it could still feel like it was just yesterday. And so we want to be able to honor that experience and provide acceptance for it. And for our service members, when those sensations, when those feelings come back up and we don't have words for it, that's where you can see things like substance abuse, self-harming behaviors, because we're just trying to find a way to deal with what's going on inside. So a good way to picture that would be in psychology, we talk about the window of tolerance a lot. And this is going to relate for the family and caregiver side as well. So imagine like a literal window. And we want to be within that window at all times in order to just be present in our everyday life. We're going to have our ups and our downs, but for the most part, we're able to deal with that and still be present. However, when we're under threat and, you know, when we're talking about service members coming back home or being in a traumatic environment or our kids going through these experiences and having a really, really hard time dealing, you're going to find that there's going to be hyper arousal, which is going to be more acting out behaviors like aggression, hyperfixation on things, um, going to be your more kids that present more like ADHD. And you're also going to have your hypo aroused. So that's very checked out, just disconnected. Um, you're you know, trying to lose yourself in things like video games, or that's going to be like your suicidal ideation. All of those things, you know, we want to ask, how is this meeting that need in the moment? How is this helping you to find some semblance of pred, like some semblance of being okay in the moment? Because that's actually where we want to do the healing. So, for example, I've worked with kids that they've self-harmed because it stopped their brain from running consistently. And it was just that one moment in time where even though they were doing a behavior that was maladaptive, it helped them in the moment. So, you know, we think about our service members and addictions. That's the big thing that's coming to mind for me right now. It's a numbing, a way to get away from the things that are constantly going on. It's a way to get away from the sensation and not have to relive those things constantly. And so what we really want to do is provide a, maybe a different way to be able to heal from these things. And I really like to come from an attachment-based perspective, uh, relational therapy-based perspective in neurobiology, because, tra again, trauma disempowers, it disconnects. And we want to find healing by reconnecting. So healing can be done through the relationships with others, creating that safe place that, for that to occur. We also want to provide a way for the body to be able to tell its own story in a safe way. Our bodies have this very cool, innate ability to heal if we can just get out of the way. So there are a lot of therapies that are not traditional talk therapy that are able to access all of those things that are stored in our systems. In fact, talk therapy can be pretty hard for people who've gone through traumatic experiences because if you went through that, and again, your, your frontal lobes, those things aren't going to be as accessible in that moment. So it's really hard to talk about it if you don't know how to talk about it. 
but, and if you don't have the words, but what you can say is, I feel scared in my body, or, you know, I just don't feel right. We can work with those action patterns that might show up through postures, movements, breath. We can work with all of those to be able to find healing and to really help people to feel safe within themselves and to be able to reconnect to the community as a whole. So I would encourage you guys, if if you have any questions about what that might look like, what these therapies are, and even how it might relate to yourself, your kids, service members, family members, whoever, um, please reach out to us at, you know, you can find us on Facebook with the Ohana Homefront Foundation. Um, You can also look at our website, theohanahomefront.org, or please reach out to me at counseling director at ohanahomefront.org. And I would love to answer any questions and maybe give you some resources to find your own healing. So, you know, the biggest thing that we want to do through the Ohana Homefront Foundation is help our military communities find their way back to who they are and to provide families with resources to heal themselves, their kids. We want to work on the entire level so that everything can kind of come together because we actually really do need all of that to be present for healing to occur. So thank you guys so much for listening today and I hope you learned something useful. 